Welcome to the latest Known Pleasures Flexi Disc. These are the short podcasts we do in between our full length feature podcasts. Today we're going to discuss the ballet, or to be more specific, the Spandau Ballet. So, in an effort to cut a long podcast short, <laughs> Patrick is going to talk about To Cut a Long Story Short by Spandau Ballet, their first single? Correct. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Well, the Spandau Ballet story is all about Islington in North London. And how many minutes did you say this podcast should go for? <laughs> this is going to be a challenge for you, isn't it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's but, okay. Uh, if, if you go on too long, I'll cut it out. <laughs> uh, Spandau Ballet were a bunch of kids who grew up in Islington in inner North London. Uh, growing up in Islington, pretty rough kind of... When was uh, this? ...set up in the 1960s. They were all born in sort of 59, 60 or thereabouts. And Gary Kemp, the future songwriter for the band, was uh, still at school, I think, when he saw the Buzzcocks Clash and the Sex Pistols play in uh, August 76, and he immediately quit the band he was in. He was at school, so I don't know that that was a major deal to quit the band you're in when you're at school. And he and Steve Norman, who would become the saxophone player. And guitarist. And, mm. and conga. He, he was a multi-instrumentalist. multi-instrumentalist. Really yeah, clever yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah. So I think they were playing in a band at the time, and I'm not sure exactly when the different kind of members joined up, but they were all, as early as late 1976, the singer Tony Hadley and the drummer John Keeble were also in the band. They had a few names during the next 12, 18 months or so. They were called Roots, then The Cut, then The Makers. And certainly at some point they were playing power pop inspired by the likes of Small Faces. Don't forget the gentry. And they were gentry as That's well. possibly the worst of the lot. They were gentry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they started going to this club called, I don't know whether they went to Billy's, the original incarnation. It might have. But they certainly went to the Blitz club which was the maybe one day when we're interviewing gary kemp we can ask him him the question the blitz club run by yes the blitz club which had been set up by steve strange of visage of, of future visage fame and rusty egan the former drummer in rich kids and it was meant to be a bowie inspired or bowie tribute club with other bands like Craftwork and Roxy Music specifically and with a bit of an electronic sort of bent. Did you know they used to play a couple of magazine songs too? No, I didn't. play Permafrost ah. and, a, and something else which I think is really interesting. Yeah. To and play in a nightclub. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the kraut rock band Noi. They had some, some pretty dancey songs, I suppose. Yeah, but an eclectic mix. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, Rusty Egan did as he was DJing, he had a kind of like electronic drum pads, so he would do the pew, pew, pew kind of... I think it's do, do, do. Well, I'm just going from what Martin <laughs> Kemp said in his autobiography. He he went specifically with a pew, 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 oh, not, a, not, not a... Not a... It suddenly turned into the goons. <laughs> um, which for our younger listeners was <laughs> oh, a radio program on the BBC, was it? Uh, yes. in the a podcast before there were podcasts. <laughs> Bring it back in, Patrick. In yeah. the 1950s. <laughs> so, yeah, Tuesday night was the Blitz night and these working class kids from Islington just dressed up to the nines and everything was about that Tuesday. And as Martin said, our whole week was Tuesday. If we weren't at the Blitz, we were getting ready for the Blitz. And it of used course, to attract people from all over the country, from yeah, the provinces, yeah, yeah, everywhere yeah. people went there because, as I I've said in a previous uh, mention, people wanted to dress up again who were a bit young for punk and maybe missed out a little bit on that and didn't like where it was at 78, 79. Mm, This is their opportunity. And the fantastic thing about the Blitz style or 
styles, because the spectrum of it was just extraordinary, was that it wasn't about how much money you had. You know, like there were army surplus mm. stores, which had just incredible kind of military style uniforms and that sort of thing. Which, costume which, stores. Costumes, yeah. Yep. And part of the challenge was how to look magnificent mm. when you were on the doll. And the likes of Boy George and uh, Marilyn and others absolutely perfected that. Mm. Um, dress fancy, not fancy dress. Yes, exactly, is. exactly. I guess it's a short journey to glory regarding yes. their first single. So what did the two of you make of, to cut a long story short, at the time and what do you think of it now? To me, it's all about the bass riff. Mm. It is really the heart and soul of the entire song. It immediately grabs you. I've got a little bit of a keyboard here. I'll give uh, our listeners a bit of a rendition. It goes something like this. It's simple. Mm. It's iconic. It drives the entire song. I absolutely love it. And I imagine when Gary Kemp came up with it, he thought, yeah, that's the one. That's the one we're going with. Yeah. If you get a chance, Graham, dig up the demo for it because it's uh-huh. basically the same track. It's just not quite as slick, but it's done. So that's what they were playing when they were doing their gigs and shopping themselves around to whatever degree they did that. It's no wonder there was a bit of a bidding war for them. Yeah. And I like the fact how they like to try and game the music business a little bit and do mm. it on their terms. They were making a statement. Everything they were doing was about this is new, this is the future, this is the way we're going to do it. They're working class kids. Mm. They wanted to dress up. They wanted to do it on their own terms. And I love that. I did want to throw in a story about Tony Hadley. Apparently when they were recording uh, the album and particularly the single, as it Richard Burgess was the, the album Journeys to, Journeys to Glory, Tony Hadley was so loud when he was singing that they did an experiment where they kind of like got some mic stands and placed some of the carpet from the studio over him so he was in like a tent trying to <laughs> dampen down the volume of his singing because they just couldn't kind of control it at any level. He would really not even need any amplification. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought this song when it came out in 1980. Uh, October 80 it was released. Um, It was a hit, immediate hit, certainly in Australia and England. And, yeah, I I loved it, as you said, Graham, as immediately catchy Mm. and just grabbed me. And I was on board with that journey with them for a couple of years because I thought what they were doing was was fantastic. And they look completely different. I remember in the uh, the video, Tony Hadley is holding a pair of binoculars. I'd never seen the lead singer. No, Iggy Pop wasn't holding binoculars. No. No, no, they, no, 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 no one was doing that before then. <laughs> not even the lead singer of Sailor, and it would have made, it would have made sense bad, for him to have done that. But, um, Mark, what's that thing on the top of the shoulder? Was it? An epaulette. It's an epaulette. Mm, yes. he, he had, had two. Glo- he had gloves yep. in his epaulette, which I thought was really classy. Mm. Watch know. the video. If everybody gets a chance to watch the video, mm. it really is something else. Like I mean, if he wanted to demand satisfaction, he, he could have his gloves demand. out and slap people's I faces. think Spando Ballet are unfairly derided because of what they went on to become a bit like you two. Um, mm. People forget how exciting and interesting this was at yeah, the time yeah, yeah. and how fresh it was. And and this whole new romantic movement was just something really, really interesting. And the 80s have been kind of slammed for excess and, and all these sort of frilly shirts and all the rest of it. But in 1980, 81, 82, it was really exciting. The music yeah, was yeah, fresh. Yeah. It, it was, was fun. It was a real breath of fresh air as mm. opposed to what, as we said, punk had gone down a particular path. You either wanted that or you didn't. Yeah. I loved all this stuff and it was it was a great time to go out to clubs and dance and have yeah, fun. Yeah. 
which it wasn't allowed mm. <laughs> prior to that. Yeah. You could look however you wanted to as long as you had some kind of dandy kind well, of you made an effort. Or some, yeah. something preposterous mm. or extravagant. Extravagant mm. maybe more than dandy. Extreme, yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, in this film clip, they kind of have a like a Scottish military vibe is maybe how it, like a classic some Scottish military vibe. kilts involved there. Yeah, yeah, Those yeah. funny little shoes they wear when they yeah, do the dancing yeah, yeah. with the, the yeah. swords. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. And also, um, what's the bass player's name? Martin Kemp. Martin Kemp. Mm. There's a bit of a solo in there. Yeah, a little bass yeah, solo. Yeah, well, yeah, apparently yeah. He, he only became a member of the band because they needed a bass player. So mm. Gary said, Martin, do you want to learn bass? And, and of course, he was really good looking and it had been roadieing mm. for the gentry, apparently, no, and okay. had been getting a lot of attention from girls. Yeah, so they said, yeah, you yeah. should be in the band. Yeah, yeah. Always works. <laughs> we'll get someone ugly to be in. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't want anybody ugly in the band. <laughs> well, I, I think it, it, it's an extraordinary song in its simplicity because it isn't much more than the bass line mm. and the keyboard riff mm. and some nifty little drum fills mm. and Tony Hadley's and the singing. amazing, amazing vocals. Mm. Yeah, it's just an absolutely perfect pop song. And the monophonic nature of the synthesizer, which was a Yamaha CS10, for anyone wondering, is really fundamental to it. And Martin Kemp made the point that it was a particular time in history where the synthesizers were affordable, so a band like Spandau Ballet could buy one. But if it had been five years before or five years after, let's say, if these synths were, were more affordable, he was suggesting that his brother Gary, who played the melody, that he might have just gone full virtuoso and be, you know, trying to you know, mm. play the full ten fingers and Spandau Ballet would have turned into like a prog rock band. Yeah. Yep. And so and lost the simplicity of that track. Yeah. Yep. And so the simplicity of it was somewhat enforced on them because you know, Gary Kemp is a talented musician. Or certainly but became a talented musician. So yeah, yeah. I think the the simplicity of it is, is absolutely fundamental. <laughs> Sum it up in one word, Graham. To cut a long story short, um, if you can't, just say no. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Blitz. Blitz. Patrick. Uh, well, I'm just thinking about the film clip, the Scottish military uniforms, and it just just Caledonian. <laughs> well, I got, I, mine's not going to cut it. I'm, I was just going to go inspiring, but yeah, Caledonian wins the day. 